You are Locked On Knicks, your daily podcast on the New York Knicks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Knox foul from behind, count it, and one. As fist in the post, his fist. What he does is contagious. Hardaway to Trier. Trier drops down. Oh, oh, Alonzo Trier. Baker launches a three-hander across the lane to Porzingis. Fires up the ball. Gundy. You may know me as NBA Injury Report on Twitter. And this is episode 359. On today's show, we're going to talk about, what do you want to call it? A spanking? Let's call it a spanking. I'm sorry, but the spanking that the Knicks received at the big spanking hands of the Miami Heat. This is getting weird, so let's keep moving. I'm going to talk about... A couple things I noticed during this one. One of them being, obviously, the Knicks have been getting off to some slow starts lately. Why is that? I think it's a combination of some personnel things. They're not a great team. And some schematic things. I'm going to talk about what those things are. Then we're going to do our thing, where we give you some notes on individual players. Frank, not a great game from him. Hardaway, okay game. Basically, everyone played like doo-doo, but we did see some interesting things. Damian Dotson probably had the best game of the crew. Rather than, you know, spoil all the good stuff, why don't we just get into it in a second? First, I just want to remind you, 929-377-5103. Call that number up, rant, rave, ask questions, and we will get to it on a voicemail bag sode if it's interesting or compelling. You know, I want the show to be good. Got to put some work into it. But if you have a good question, a good thought, a good comment, there's a good chance you can hear it on one of our episodes. 929-377-5103. All right, let's talk about it. The Knicks got spanked by the heat. Hit it, Marv. Yes! So the big narrative story heading into this game against the Miami Heat in Miami is that it was David Fisdale's first game in Miami as the head coach of the New York Knicks after obviously spending so much time in the Miami Heat system as he came up, started as a video coordinator. You guys know all the best hits, the best hits, the top hits. You know what I'm talking about. You know the main points from this narrative. Fizdale talks about it a lot, the Heat culture, how well conditioned they are, you know, everything that they did there and their championship ways. So did he stick it to his former employer in his first game back? No. This was actually the first game of the season where the Knicks just kind of laid down and died and or weren't able to claw their way back to within spitting distance of a win. They lost 110-87, to uh, end-to-end thumping, more or less. It was actually, you know, by this was an illustrative game by way of how different it was from the other games. It was actually extremely impressive how they kept themselves in their last three losses, even though they went down by a decent amount in all three losses. So they were due for an all-around stinker. And the way that life works is that, of course, that all-around stinker was going to happen when David Fisdale was having his first game 
back in Miami as the Knicks head coach. You know he wanted to at least look decent in this. So the Knicks lay an egg. It's the way of the world. What are you going to do? I've got some general thoughts about this game. So they started slow again. They've been starting slow with this starting lineup. Some of that, I think, is personnel, and some of that is strategy. I want to talk about the strategy first. Now, coloring this whole conversation is the fact that I don't think that it's imperative that you... Actually, you know what? We'll get to that when we talk about personnel. That's a spiel for the personnel. Let's talk about strategy first, okay? So in the first quarter with these groupings, it's looked like the Knicks have had basically two priorities, to my eye, and that is establishing the pick and roll with Burke and Cantor, just a steady diet of that, and then also getting Hardaway going, coming off screens, coming off double pin down screens. That's a nice pet play of theirs that the Knicks have been going to early and often in this season. Friend of the show, Zach Deluzio, actually did some excellent video work on this for Knicks Film Room. I suggest you guys check it out. But they keep trying to go to these high pick-and-rolls with Burke and Cantor, and also to establish Cantor in the post, and it's just not super effective, I think. I think the Hardaway screenplays, little flares, these double pin-down screens he's coming off of, I think those are working a little bit better. But these high pick-and-rolls, they're just like forcing them over and over, and it's giving me a a little bit of a flashback to, you know, these slow-initiating triangle sets. I have these same flashbacks when they try to establish Cantor in the deep posts for like eight seconds out of a possession. What I would like to see, to mix things up a a bit, because I'm not saying you should never try to run pick and roll with Burke and Cantor, but if you're doing it three, four times in a row, it's not really working. Cantor's bobbling passes. Burke's having a tough time seeing over the top of the defense. You know, I'd like to see Frank get a chance to run pick and roll earlier in that first quarter. Run it the first time down. Surprise the defense a little bit. Get Frank feeling like he can be aggressive early. I really like what Frank's been doing in the pick and roll so far this year. You know, I think it's fine to slow play him in terms of how much primary initiating duty you give him game to game. You know, I think uh, not giving him the primary ball handling duties the entire time he's out there is fine. But switch it up a little. Let him run those pick and rolls from the start with while Burke is out there and let Burke play off ball for the first couple of possessions, right? In the second quarter of this game, you actually saw the Knicks do a little bit of that. They had a little bit more success also with dribble handoffs and flare screens, those double pin downs I talked to you about. They went more to those, less uh, to the Burke canter pick and roll. For whatever reason, that Burke canter pick and roll is just not so hot right now. They're not having success defeating it, success feeding it to canter down low. Tim ran a nice pick and roll with Cantor and hit him with a one-handed pass off the bounce, which I liked a lot. I think Tim might also have a little bit of an easier time passing over the top than Burke does, even though Burke's a little bit of a more natural point guard, obviously. But I would like to see them shake up this Burke Cantor pick and roll, Burke Cantor pick and roll, Burke Cantor pick and roll, and let Frank get involved a little bit earlier. I think it'll loosen things up. I want to talk about the other aspect of these slow starts which is, you know, the personnel. But before we do that, I want to talk to you guys about something that's very important to me, and that's attending live events. They enrich the soul, right? There's only so much that basketball, talking about basketball, can enrich the soul. you got to go there and see it. 
you know, communion with your fellow traveler down this path of hoop. You know what I'm saying? In order to do that, you got to get some tickets, and the best place to get tickets is Vivid Seats. It's an app. Everything is easier with an app. Find Vivid Seats wherever there's an app. Go in there. Pick your seats. They're 100% guaranteed. You don't got to worry about it even a little bit. And the best part is, if you use code LOCKEDON right now, and it's your first time using Vivid Seats, you will get $20 off an order of $200 or more. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDON. For vivid seats. So let's talk about personnel and the role of the the role that's being played by just who's out there on the floor to start the game and why that's contributing to their slow starts. Now I said earlier I kind of put a, I, I tabled this discussion uh, of of how I want to color this conversation and what I want to say then and I'm going to say now is that. I'm under no illusions that the Knicks are just the right lineup away from figuring this thing out and going on a run and really making some noise in the Eastern Conference. I don't think their talent level is there. So this isn't some, you know, I'm not freaking out at Fizdale. You gotta pull the right buttons and then it'll all come together. I don't think that's true. There's some days, no matter who's starting, of course they're going to struggle. There are no perfect lineups. There aren't even any really, like, solid lineups with this Knicks team. There's always going to be some strong deficiencies, either offensively or defensively. But I do think it's important to look at who's in this starting lineup, going back to what Fizdale's talked about a bunch of times, and that's this culture of accountability, this culture of the phrase he uses, which I sometimes mangle, of keeping what you kill. Meaning, you know, if you earn those minutes, you get those minutes. And if you look at the starting lineup right now, it's not getting it done. And again, the whole team can struggle. But the starting lineup isn't getting it done. And we saw today in the first quarter, a little bit in the third quarter, um, before everything went to hell, um, that when that starting lineup changes a little bit, when those reserves start to come in, it's happening frequently enough that those reserves look much better that I think the Knicks need to seriously consider changing this starting lineup. Sorry it took me a little bit to get there, but that's the overall point. And a a, a big part of that, you can pick at holes in everyone's game in the starting lineup. No one's perfect. But if I had to say what's really driving their poor play, I think it's that Burke and Cantor are just deadly together defensively. Deadly in the bad way, if you're a Knicks fan. I know there are problems with Frank and Lance not wanting to shoot the ball, not wanting to be aggressive on offense. Lance can't drive for shit. Sorry, Lance. I love you. But run him off the the three-point line, and it's, you know, it's a disaster. But I really think it's Trey and Cantor that are the problem here, you know, more so than anything else. They just get roasted on D so consistently. You might be watching Cantor, and he's matched up against some guy one-on-one. And that's one of those moments where the spotlight's on you, and you're watching him. You're like, all right, now he's playing defense. And you watch him play the defense. He might force the guy into a kind of rough fadeaway jumper. Because he's okay-ish one-on-one. He's okay-ish when he's just being asked to defend his man in the post. But think about how offenses are run. Right? Think about how you want the Knicks to run their offense. Do you want them just pounding it into canter on the low block or the high post? No, you don't. You think that's bad offense. You want them to move. You want them to run over screens. So when you're playing defense... Cantor's almost never in these one-on-one post plays. Far more often, he's being run off various screens. And that's where he really struggles. 
Ditto with Trey Burke. It's not just the pick and roll. The pick and roll is a big part of it. But a huge part of today's game are these pin down screens. You want to screen guys against the baseline so that shooters can run up toward the three-point line. They get open because guys are stuck down low. So you go, you dick around under the basket for a couple seconds, then you sprint in some direction. Your defender doesn't know which way you're going to go. All of a sudden, a pin-down screen's hitting him. He pops open for a wide-open jumper, and if it's behind the arc, now you've lost three points if you're on defense, right? And I think Burke struggles with those, but together, they're very bad in pick-and-roll defense. Honestly, Burke might be worse on defense than Cantor um, because I think Cantor doesn't let guys just straight up blow by him as frequently as Burke does. Again, I don't think it's because um, either of them aren't trying, but I think they have built-in deficiencies to their game that they're probably not ever going to overcome. Cantor, just his natural ability to play defense, the way he processes things on that end of the court, along with his lateral quickness. Burke, you know, it's very much a size thing with him, getting killed on screens, guys blowing by him because they have much longer strides. So what I would like to suggest is that you sub at least one of these guys out, and then things start clicking. You know, I, I, I would like to see them do the radical thing and sub both of them out, at least for a game. Just see how it goes. But you got to sub at least one of these guys out because two of them on the court at the same time defensively is killing them. I think Vonley is an obvious choice to replace Kanter in the starting lineup. But I do know that he's six foot nine. You know, uh, <laughs> I want if I could have just seamlessly f- uh, flowed into Celos, I wish. I wish I was like six foot nine so I could get with how's it go? But she don't know me. But yo, she's really fine. Anyway, that's an old that's an old song. You kids won't know what I'm talking about. Back to the back to the basketball talk. Vonley's six nine, so there could be size issues for him as a starting center. But he actually is much more switchable than Cantor. And going up against these offenses, which are trying to run you off the of screens constantly, I think that's a huge plus. We saw in the game against the Bucks, you know. Giannis ate everyone alive, but I thought Vonley actually did an admirable job of sticking with him in the open court on the occasions he got matched up with him, sliding his feet, moving quickly laterally. I think he's much better in that regard than Cantor. And he's a pretty good rebounder, so he duplicates a lot of what you see there. He's not a great rim protector, but Cantor is among the worst in the league at rim protection. So any kind of improvement there would be good from Vonley. And last but not least, we've seen um, on multiple occasions now, not so much against the Heat because everyone was struggling, but on multiple occasions, he's come in and the game has seemed to turn around. Yes, that often happens against the other team's second stringers, so maybe this experiment won't work, but we've seen enough out of the starting lineup to think that it's okay to tinker with, and we've seen enough when Vonley comes in that he's providing some things that Cantor is not, and right now, it's very early. These numbers have so much noise, but Vonley's got... You know, much better plus-minus compared to Cantor's. And again, you have to take these with so many grains of salt this early in the season. And always, is the fact of the matter with plus-minus. But it does back up some of what I'm seeing. would like to see him uh, potentially replace Cantor in the starting lineup, at least for a game or two. See how it goes, right? You don't have to stick with things. Um, likewise, Damian Dotson or Alonzo Trier could replace Trey Burke. I mean, why not? You could say managing egos, but Burke and Cantor, you know... They're not necessarily here for the long haul. Neither is signed after this year. I'm not saying the Knicks wouldn't like to keep them, but we all know they're trying to free up money for free agency. Like These guys have to understand their place in the pecking order, and you can't be afraid to take them out of the starting lineup because you know it might hurt their feelings. I'm not saying Fisdale is thinking that, but in case that's your counter 
to me. That's how I would counter your counter, right? And, you know, like I said, keep what you kill. Accountability, culture, all those fun buzzwords. I would like to see Dotson and Trier who, um, you know, I, I think Dotson, especially these past couple games, he's come on, he's shot the ball very well from three. He's shown some good energy on defense. Not a perfect player. Um, you know, that's not going to be a great lineup either. They're going to struggle with size. He's not the biggest guy. Is he playing the three? Is, is Nil Aquina playing the three? You know, like everything is going to introduce other problems. But the problems with Cantor and Burke are big enough that I really think they should experiment in uh, the spirit of staying true to this culture of accountability that they're trying to build. I want to talk about some individual player notes, but before we do that, I just want to talk to you guys about a little something called my bookie. You know, I do this podcast. People often ask me, where can I bet? You like sports. People who like sports like betting. And I'm like, look, you got to go to my bookie. I would only recommend a service that's been good to me, and that's my bookie. You know, you should make your way to my bookie right now. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. It's slammed with new betters. Slammed with new betters. And it wants to give you guys the best service possible. So if you're willing to deposit your money at my bookie after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. That's in addition to matching your deposit dollar for dollar. Just use promo code LOCKEDON25 to activate that offer. Once again, visit MyBookie online, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON25. And they will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. And if you do that after 7 p.m. Eastern time, just wait a little bit. They'll give you an extra $25 on top of that. My bookie. Let's talk about Frank, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things in this game. Let's talk about Frank. Sorry for that, but yeah. Frank Nilakina switching up the theme song today. It won't stick around. Don't worry. Don't freak out. I know you guys like the Frank Nilakina Guantanamera theme song. I'm not a monster, all right? If you're new, stick with us. You'll figure out what I'm talking about in a couple episodes. Anyway, not a great game from Frank. Not a great first quarter. He had a reach-in foul at half court that Clyde chided him for. And you never want a Clyde chide. If Clyde's chiding you, who boy, have you messed up, especially if you're a Nick. Clyde's pretty nice to the Knicks, I think. But this was a theme for him throughout the game. He had a bunch of fouls. He didn't foul out, but he got to five. And he got to, like, four pretty early. Uh, He was jittery out there. And that's usually his strong side of the court. So, what are you going to do? You know? Got himself a nice look at a floater on a pick and roll with Ennis Cantor in the first quarter. But then he short-armed it. Like, he wasn't sure he wanted to shoot it. Am I passing? Am I shooting? I don't know. It's more of that um, passiveness, that indecisiveness on offense that we want to see him overcome. So, not great there. Then he had a sloppy pass to Canner on the block that was easily intercepted by, I forget who the defender was, but he was fronting, you know, Cantor the whole way. Uh, and Frank just kind of threw it right into him. But then, he had a nice fast break dunk. Showed good breakaway speed. He had a couple of threes at least. He was two or three. You know, he had his ups and downs, but kind of a sloppy game from Frank. Sloppy game from everyone. Frank was no exception. Let's talk about Tim Hardaway Jr. He had two early threes. I think his shot's looking pretty good this year. I, th- I gotta say, I think I, I think Hardaway Jr.'s shot is coming around. I mean, we'll see. He's prone to massive, epic cold spells, but 
I'm, I'm like what I'm seeing from him beyond the arc. He looks a lot more controlled back there. And it's, it's, it's encouraging me. I feel like he could be sick when, like, KP comes back as this third option, you know? And, they like, if they get a, a decent free agent this offseason, you put t- Tim in that third or fourth option. He's running off screens and, and draining threes. I don't know. He, he could, uh, yeah, I'll say this. Nothing would make me happier than Timmy proving everyone wrong. So many people would have to eat it on their Hardaway takes if he turned out to be this guy who's just like a killer coming off screens. And he looks a lot better coming off screens this year than he did last year when he wasn't bad at it. But he looks a lot more improved there, just kind of knowing where his shot should come. There was an interesting moment where Hardaway yelled at Cantor for not providing help defense when he was trying to get over a pick. He actually did a nice job fighting through the pick, but he was on the guy's hip. He couldn't really, you know, he, he couldn't get back in front of him. Cantor was over there, but he didn't shuffle his feet and slide over and block the, the ball handler's path. He should have shuffled his feet, cut in front of the guy, but he didn't. Hardaway freaked out at him. And it's the kind of thing where you might not notice. I'm not saying this is the right thing for Hardaway to do, but the, there's like little things that Cantor's not great at that a lot of people don't notice. And... They see these points and they see these rebounds. They don't understand why I talk about why I think he's a detriment to the team. A lot of people do, but a lot of people don't. <laughs> they're out there. They're talking to me on Twitter. So if you're one of the people who's like, James, I'm with you. Shut up. Trust me, there's lots of people who aren't with me. But this play, should Hardaway have yelled at him? I don't know. But if you're watching, you're not maybe paying super close attention. You happen to take a swig of beer while that was going on. You see that Hardaway gets caught on the pick. And you're like, oh, Hardaway, screw that up. But in the NBA, you got to cover for each other. And very rarely is there a defensive possession where help defense isn't being provided in some way. Ennis Kander's role as a center is someone who's going to be providing help defense more than most. And he really struggles there. This was an example of that. Hardaway, you know, whatever. A fine game. A little underwhelming for him. But he did get to the line four times and no one else on the Knicks got to the line more than twice. So on a day when nothing was was happening for them he did his part to be aggressive and to try to make things happen Lonzo Trier you know he had a nice athletic drive in the second quarter showed some of that good body control otherwise sort of an ugly game from him missed a bunch of shots I think he finished something like two for seven two for eight threw an ugly pass or two but look he's a rookie he's not going to have it every night nobody had it tonight moving on Damian Dotson probably the highlight of this night for the Knicks in the second quarter, the first thing I noticed was a, actually a defensive play, even though he shined on offense, I would say. He had a nice transition uh, defense uh, of of Dragic. He got in front of him while he was driving to the rim. He blocked a weak layup attempt that Dragic threw up there after sticking with Dragic on a Euro step. So he kind of had you know, emptied the gas in his tank as far as jumping goes, and he kind of trying to sort of underhand this layup, and Dotson just swatted it. And Dragic was given the Knicks defense fits up until that point. So it was sort of notable. It was just one stop. But I thought it was a good defensive play from Dotson. His three-point stroke is starting to look pretty decent out there. This was, you know, the book on him coming out of college. Didn't show it as much last season. We're starting to see some of that promise uh, come to fruition, I will say. He shot three of eight from downtown. Pretty strong there. I think that's 37.5% for the game, if you're wondering. Overall, just 20 points, 8 of 14 shooting, really nice efficiency. Grabbed 10 rebounds, that's huge. Especially out of that, you know, wing spot, guard wing kind of combo. One block, one steal. Great game from Dotson. Look forward to seeing him get more minutes. And again, he's one of those guys who I think uh, should get a look instead of Burke. See how it looks. Throw him in there, see how it looks. Hazonia had the hot hand early. 
had a couple of strong drives to the basket to draw fouls, but didn't finish through contact. He seems to be a little bit of a janky finisher. I'm, I'm starting to see game to game. Not much to say there. Mitchell Robinson, I thought, was going to get a DNP. I actually wrote DNP. Did not play on my notes. But wait, he got in during garbage time, which unfortunately started uh, about midway through the third quarter. It was when the Heat really put this one away. But he came in in the fourth, Mitchell Robinson. Promptly recorded a block, which was nice to see. Got a tip in, also nice to see. Looked a little lost on offense. He just can't wait to slip screens. The ball handler gets no separation off of his pick. He's slipping the screen. There's no switch. There's no mismatch. He's hurting himself. He's hurting the ball handler. He, at one point, half-assedly tried to establish post position. Maybe he didn't know where he was supposed to be on that play or if he was supposed to be establishing post position. But if he was trying his hardest, he's got a lot to work on when it comes to that. And he was just kind of clogging the lane. He was just kind of floating around, standing there. He did record one highlight slam dunk shot on a pass from Frank out of the pick and roll, which was actually very impressive physically because Pat, because Frank, usually a pretty accurate passer, hitting guys in their spots, actually passed the ball a little bit low for you know for a lob, and uh, Mitchell Robinson had to sort of reach down for it, and so instead of that ball being kind of up and he can just go right into the dunk, he had to reach down and then pull it up. Still yammed it on the guy. Nice freak athletic play from Robinson. Lots of rawness. Burke, Vonley, Cantor. I don't know. I don't really have anything to say about you guys tonight. None of you played particularly well. Maybe next time, dudes. And that's it for us for today's edition of Locked On Knicks. I want to thank you so much for listening. If you've got a moment, rate us on iTunes. Subscribe to the show if you have not already. And get the show the second that it is put up. Tell your friends about the sensation that is Locked On Knicks. The more we grow, the better job we can do of giving you guys the show you deserve. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnKnicks for general camaraderie and bonus takes. Follow me on Twitter at NBA Injury Report for jokes and jokes and jokes about basketball. Be chill to each other. Easier said than done sometimes, but try, right? Spay new to your pets. If it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. Always salt the pasta water. Take that, take that, take that. The data. Big is better than Pac. Peace.